I mean, a legend in the radio game, New York legend turned to a worldwide legend, uh, was around the origins of hip hop, but then in the late 80s made it accessible to us where you could only find hip hop on the radio on a f late Friday or late Saturday night. And this man was uh, one of the finest DJs to ever create those moods on the radio. Ladies and gentlemen, the cool DJ Red Alert! Yeah! The Uncle Red! Hey, Turn that up, Juanito. Gentlemen, Red Alert, you know what that intro is? You remember that? Very much. Do you have, when was the last time you heard that? Probably like 30 years ago. Been a while. <laughs> Been a while. That intro is uh, back in the day, artists or rappers used to record promos for the DJs on the radio, and Red had some ill ones. Like, I believe. The first time I ever heard uh, Joe the Fat Gangster, before he was Fat Joe, was Joe the Fat Gangster, over the Diamond D, uh, yes, a, a Diamond D uh, flow Joe B. Right. Over oh, a promo first. It was a promo that was made for me. Yeah. And it became so dominant that when they got their first single out, that promo would turn into a song. A real you song. got a flow, Joe. Yeah. Now, That's this one I just played was by a young producer named DJ Premier. And he made that promo. And I wish it came out as a fucking real song because that shit was <laughs> sick. Where, where do we start with Red Alert Sife? Do you, I, I'm, I don't even know exactly. Uh, it's a lot. Like, where do you say Red? It's tempting to start with your radio story, right? But where can we just get a little bit of where just the, the hip-hop story begins for a young Red Alert? I caught the bug. I went to Derrick Clinton High School up in the Bronx. I'm from originally from Harlem. Harlem. Uh -huh. But I went to school in the Bronx. So when I start catching the bug, it's like I would sneak downtown on a Thursday after work and a Friday night, sneaking downtown to the discos put on my older brother clothes, trying to fit in. Right. But on a Saturday, I was checking out the sounds of Cool Herc. Now, at the same time while I was in there, we all did not know each other, but at the same token of time, uh, us as students that was in there was Flash, Mean Gene, rest in peace AJ, Grandmaster Kaz, and many others, which I think influenced us to go ahead to the next set. So, as when I came back, I went, to, I went to college down in Hampton for a year and a half. When I came back, now here come the next wave. Here Flash, L Brothers, featuring Grand Wizard Theodore, AJ, 
Rest in peace, my man, Disco King Mario. Another person that never get his just due by the name of Smokey. Um, guy named Mr. Tibbs in the nine area and Africa Bambada. So now, encourage me, when I came out after a year and a half of college, I'm gonna got a job working at the Garment District and I saved up my money to get my turntables because I was always watching, watching. No, nobody taught me, I took time watching. And what was also clever for me because when I was in school, I took up music. So I learned how to read music. So by me learning how to read music and watching how the pace there, how they was DJing downtown and up at Kirk, made me learn to learn how to hold the pace of the record and the timing by reading music and learn how to go different, you know, patterns, different chorus. And um, just practicing, practicing, saving my money every payday, going around the corner. To, um, it was a store called Disco Mat that had the records and rock and soul. And I was just saving, saving, saving. Now, what led to that, my cousin used to come around to me and he wanted to learn what I was doing. So I influenced him and I taught him the basics. And right there, that's when he went and created his own. By that time, my family, they moved from Manhattan up into Bronx River Projects. He was first down with Disco King Mario. And um, somebody was saying, yo, who this young kid that's over there with um, Mario? Because at that time, Bam Bada and Mario was rivals up there in the Soundview area. They said, that's that kid that just moved in the project. What are you doing over there? He's supposed to be with us. So he went, went over and got my cousin. And when he brought, they brought my cousin over, he said, yo, you want to put me on? I want you to put my cousin down because he the one that taught me. My cousin is the original DJ Jazzy J. And that's when Bam brought me on in 1979. I started in 76, learning how to DJ. But in 79, that's when Bam put me on and I just learned how to emerge from there. Thank God your cousin didn't fucking leave you out to dry, you know what I'm saying? Um, <laughs> would have changed everything. <laughs> Did you, when you said you finished school and you start working in the garment district, at, yes. at what point is, is hip hop as, is radio DJing in the back of your mind yet as a fantasy? Like where does it, or was it nothing, not even close? It was far fetch, far fetch, because at that time, here it is, the culture of hip hop was very raw, diamond in the rough. So I was so intrigued about hanging in the Bronx and going to all the hip-hop parties, everybody who's DJing. It was inside during the winter and to all the parks and the summer jams. So I was never thinking about the radio, even though during that time, you know, the influence of radio was back in the days of late great Frankie Crocker. Yeah. Now he was introducing so many different sounds. But you had the MCs that wanted to emulate like Frankie Crocker and add a touch to a style of their own by rhyming. So I was never thinking about being on the radio. I was just thinking about being a part of what they was doing, DJing. You know what I find interesting as, I, as, he tells, as Red tells the story is that we always think about, you know, hip hop being a young man's game. And uh, when I think about you, Red, we think about the music you broke on the radio, 86, 87, 88, et cetera you don't think about the fact that you're really of the school before that. And we're down from 76 that you were DJing, because by the time you got on with the, by the time you were pushing music on the radio, it was really artists of almost the next generation. Right, because at that time, when I got on, 
on KISS FM in 83. It was still the tail end of my generation making music. You had like the, the Fearless Four making Problems of the World Today, Flash and them was making their records, Van Bottle was making their records. But here come a new wave at that time in 83, you had Run DMC, you had Houdini, you had mm -hmm. Fat Boys, you had in 84, you had LL, you had Nucleus. So I seen the next wave, and what I did, I attached myself to the next wave. Smart. How, where do you put, where do you think of Sucker MCs, which, is the, which dropped in 83? Where do you think of Sucker MCs in terms of all-time important hip-hop records that sort of changed everything? I mean, it was a game-changer because at that time, it was just basic drum machine. And, you know, when it comes to the culture of hip-hop, we always like to cut, dry, raw, that sound, that beat. So when you heard that sucker MC, you know, like, it just picked you up and left off. So it's, it's up there. It's up there, man, big time. Oh, you can never get tired of this. You can never, ever get tired. And this sound and nothing happens. Going. The beat huh? doesn't do anything else. It's just straight drum machine, but it it's don't get tired. Drive. It's yeah. that drive. That's what it is. And from generation to generation, everybody just attached yourself to it. There's certain things that's just timeless. And that's one of them. That's one of them. Yeah. So everyone has a story of how they got on the radio. Wait, I want to know one more thing before the radio. Please go. I want to know how you got your name because Red Alert, from the era you come from, is a futuristic name because everybody had like the Grandmaster this and that's the, facts. You know what I'm saying? So Red Alert was like some next level. Obviously, I know the red part because you have red hair. Well, you like yeah, because I had a big old red afro. I'll yeah. tell you that. And um, he was like it, Malcolm it was very X, hip hop, very bright and big, you know. <laughs> Looked like sometimes was on fire. <laughs> and um, before I got into DJing, I was known for playing basketball. Uh, I played basketball, I played organized ball, and I played a couple years at Deborah Clinton High School, and that's how I got a scholarship to go to Hampton. You, know, so you were pretty good, right? I was alright. I was alright. You got a scholarship, bro. You're more than all right. You're pretty good. All right. But, you know, the reason I say I was all right compared to the ones before me, I saw how they excel. I was just thankful I was able to hang in there with them. Yeah. Play, did you play against anyone who went on to be a legend? Um, there's a guy that a lot of people don't remember. Okay, how many people remember Bernard King? Of course. His brother named Albert King. Of course. <laughs> Albert King I played against. Hold on, hold on, Cypher. It's not like it sounded. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. I know how that sounded. He got a brother, Albert. But no, he was actually legitimately good also. <laughs> but it sounded great. But Albert King also played pro. Yes, he went pro. I, I he remember went pro, you know. So, I mean, some people, if I mention Albert King, they'd be like, mm. But I say Bernard King brother say, oh, oh, oh. So that's why I say Bernard King first. I remember Albert King well. <laughs> All right, so um, and so so but keep going with that with the name story. So here it is. While I was starting to play basketball, my man by the name of Dennis, he used to always go like the side ring, you know, because you know my flair, my style, how I play, and that's when he started saying red alert, red alert, red alert, and that just stuck on to me. That's a so one. now here it is when I start DJing. I attached you and saying DJ Red Alert. Wait, did you have another DJ name before that? No, never. You kept Red Alert. I always had Red Alert. Never had no other name. You wasn't Grandmaster Red? Never. <laughs> How am I be a Grandmaster Red? I didn't even get to that point. <laughs> but here it is. Here goes an interesting story. So now, when I start DJing, being as Red Alert, and I got along with everybody, you know, so here it is. I stepped to Cool Herc one day. I seen him. 
I say you're hurt. I'm gonna ask you because at that time you had to have earned respect to ask for permission to use something. You just can't go ahead and just copy or you know take somebody's uh, title. Yeah. So I say you're hurt. I started DJing, so I want to know, can I put cool in front of it? Mm. So Herc at that time, you know, he just look around, and look, look at me, look around. Yeah, go ahead, man. Yeah, no problem. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. And that's how, you know, I earned that respect from him because yeah. he allowed me. Because you go ahead, what we used to say, biting, yeah. you can't bite a person's name. No. You know, you got to act, you know, you got to earn it or ask about it. And right. that's how that became. But that's an important thing. And I mean, not to belabor an obvious point about like new kids today, but it is true. You can do shit someone else has done. The problem, I think, over the last several years, people have gotten too comfortable with the straight bite instead of just the reaching out and having a conversation. Well, you know, the respect level is at an all time low where people don't understand how to come to the person before them and show that you earn it or you ask for it, they just take it. And that's what happened. All right, so then how do you end up at the radio station? Here it is at the time being with Africa Bambada and the almighty Universal Zoom Nation. We was rocking at the place called the Roxy, which is right a couple blocks up from here, right up the block in 17th Street. And while we were rocking at the Roxy, the program director at KISS FM at that time came to Africa Bambada and said, we want to incorporate what you are doing along what we have, because it was called the Kiss Master Mixes. Now, before that, I was along with Africa Islam at WHBI. That's the home where hip-hop radio really started, everybody, yeah. 105.9, where, you know, rest in peace, my man was super rocking Mr. Magic. And uh, we had a show called Zulu Beats. And while I did that, here it is, that's when they had interest hearing what we're doing there, and seeing what we're doing in the club. So they came to the band. The first person they came out to was Africa Islam. Islam missed a couple of appointments. So the next person they went out to was my cousin, Jazzy J. Jazzy did it for like a couple months, and then he just said, ah, because even though they wasn't paying, but he was getting so much exposure for studio work and for gigs. So then that's when they came to BAM and said, well, who the next one you out in line? And that's when they came to me. And that was in October 83. Mm. And I never looked back. No, you never left. Never looked back. And at what point did it start? Uh, yeah, make some noise for that. That's a moment. Thank you. When did hey, it you know it's funny? What was that station? Huh? What was the station you were on? What? As far, commercial or the first commercial. one? Commercial. 98.7 KISS FM. And what station you on now? Hot 97. The other one. WBLS? ESPN nope. 98.7. 98.7. Right. Yeah, full your circle. brothers. Yeah, that's true. Well, for a lot of people who may not know this, Emmis, Emmis when, 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 when KISS went off the radio and turned into BLS and they merged into one station, Emmis didn't get rid of 98.7. They kept all of the KISS FM everything. They still own it and rented 98.7 in a really long, it was one of the smartest. I've been around our company long enough to watch them do a lot of dumb things. <laughs> the renting like out of 98.7 was genius. They, they rented it out to ESPN for something like 10, 15 years. Um, so 98.7 KISS FM still is owned by Emmis. Uh, it's, right. just, it's just ESPN now is rented and on there. It's a white collar move. Yes, it really was. <laughs> so when did, it start, when did it start picking up steam and becoming the thing that you really felt like this is what 
People are listening to this. Oh, Johnny Nunez is here. Now we official, baby. There you go. Johnny <laughs> Nunez. Well, Johnny, you get applause. At That's the, that at guy the right there. Yeah. That's that guy right there. Um, I used to be on every other week. They used to alternate me with Lauren Tony Humphrey. And then when they removed Tony, the next set they had come in that alternated with me every other week was the Latin Rascals. Oh, Latin Rascals. Latin Rascals. With the and tape edits. And then him and his Latin Rascals pulled out about seven months after I got on, then they brought in Chuck Chill out. Uh-oh. And when they brought in Chuck Chill out, that we going back and forth. The program director at that time was saying what we was doing. He asked a question that was very interesting. He said, how come y'all don't do the special mixes like Red Latin Rascals and Chef Pettibone and them doing? We said because the same way they hear us on the radio, they expect they hear us in the club. Mm -hmm. And if they see that you're not doing the same thing what it sound like in the radio, they feel you faking. So that's why we just play natural. Right. They say, y'all don't do nothing. Of that. But how do you all how you feel like y'all want to do it live? Because we used to be on tape from 11 to 2 in the morning. So we said, no problem. So that's when they moved us down from 11 to 2 down to 9 to 12. And Chuck had Fridays and I had Saturdays. Woo. And that's how that became. So we just kept on building. But what really kept us on our toes, Mr. Magic, Molly Ma, mm -hmm. and Fly Tie on WBLS. Mm. So that when you have competition, you make you learn how to step your game up instead of just taking it for granted. Yeah. So you always want to see who get the record first, who had the best mixes, who had the best presentation. That's what it was all about. Do you remember the first record that you knew you were the reason the record broke? Good oh, question. Man. Thank you. Thank you. I'm a professional. Mm -hmm. There was a record that came out in early 80s, around 85, 84, 85. The Rapping Duke, the Ha Ha Ha. You, that's, you broke that record. I broke that record. Oh, and then shit. after that, I broke UTFO, Roxanne, Roxanne. That was a big one. And the reason how I broke that record, because it was the B-side. You know, a lot of people don't know, but actual vinyl at the time, you had an A-side, you had a B-side. The A-side was called Hanging Out. I didn't care for the record. I flipped it to the B-side. I heard Roxanne, Roxanne. I went on that. Even the label was trying to argue with me down and say, you can play in the wrong side. I say, no, I'm playing the side that I believe in. Mm. I'm sticking to the grounds. Now, and that's what I did. Wait, was Roxanne, was Roxanne, Roxanne a diss record to Roxanne Shante? She wasn't even thought of yet. No, it wasn't a diss record. She wasn't thought of okay. yet. So after that, here it is. I heard there was supposed to have been some type of gig that UTFO had posted did for Mr. Magic and them, and for some reason, it didn't happen. So that's when they was, you know, Magic was known for that voice running that mouth. Yeah. So here it is, for some <laughs> way, somehow, Marley went after Shantae in his neighborhood, Queensbridge, and they recorded right in his house, Roxanne Revenge. Right. And then as they saw that was coming out, that's when the people who was uh, representing UTFO had their own artists, the real Roxanne. At one point, there was like 13 Roxanne records. I remember that, yeah. They were like, all right, too many Roxanne <laughs> records, guys. Any other ideas? Um, I mean, and is any of that the spark of the beef? Of course. Like, of course, because here it is. It's Shantae going after them, and they bring out their own. And then who I was DJing for was Sparky D. She was going after Shantae. 
So that just kept going and going, but you know what? It kept healthy because it was all about the microphone. Oh, yeah, all about it was all about the turntables and the microphone. We never got physical, anything. Matter of fact, we was on the road together. We stayed on the road all the time doing shows. Fly Todd was my roommate on the road. That's insane. So, so you know, right y'all may go ahead and go back and forth about, but meanwhile, we enjoying ourselves doing what we're doing and collecting. Did you ever have any issues, though, from supporting a record that your people were like, nah, you can't play their record, but you're like, I'm sorry, I have to play this. This, this record's hot. I have to. I was the type of person that a lot of people used to get very upset at because I play what I want to play. Yeah. I play what I believe. I don't play favors. I don't play politics. I play what I believe. You can't buy me. You can't pay me. You can't pimp me. If I like it, I'm on it. If I don't like it, I'm not touching it. What record did you not like for a long time and then it hit you that it was a dope record and you Honestly, it? top billing audio too. <laughs> That's a big really, I, I gotta I be like honest, you really blew it on that. Yeah. Was, you missed it. That was like, a good I, one. I missed it because I will What's your name? Milk? Get Stoop. this shit out of here. <laughs> there was times where there's records I believe in that did not hit. And there was records I didn't believe in that did hit. But how could you, I had how to make did my you own not choice. hear this? Huh? How did you not hear this? I couldn't hear it. I think, I, I'm going to think, at that time, I couldn't hear it. I say it's that old school, Bronx, Brooklyn, weird thing that we don't fuck with each other. And I, it was a Brooklyn thing. You're like, I'm not playing this Brooklyn no, shit. No, I never, I never judged that. Never, ever judged that. I didn't care where you came from. Lauren, you sound good. That's the bottom line. It was records I was playing from out of town that people did not know until later on, like PSK, What Does It Mean by Schoolie D. I was yeah. playing that for a long time. Now, if I would have been straight up and said, I got this new record from Philly, I don't like it. Why? Because it's from Philly? Yeah. But if I go ahead and program it and y'all get into it and now y'all find out and say, oh, I ain't know you from Philly. I did the backdoor trick. Mm. So I went after what I believed. Right. I didn't Whatever care like. where it came from. But eventually you had to jump on audio too. When it grew on me. Right. It grew on me after a period of time and then I jumped on it. I hate when that happens. Like, yeah, yeah, and you have to I'm just like, suck it up. I'm not feeling this record. And you go out in, in a club or something and somebody plays it and you're like, shit kind of hot, yo. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm going to go ahead and play this. Um, also, you read it. it. It was so clear that you were someone who didn't play politics and records because... There are other DJs in history that you can tell, like, they didn't fuck with this record at all. But if you go back and listen to an old Red Alert show from Kiss from the late 80s, it, it's, it, it's just, it, 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 re, it plays like a greatest hits of yeah. hip-hop every single time. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, tell me if I'm wrong, the term shout-out came from your show on Kiss FM. Is that right? Well... I will honestly say that. Rest in peace to my man who was my partner, my man, Prince Messiah. Yeah, Prince Messiah, yep. Rest, rest in peace. peace. He's the one that used to have the terminology shouted out and everybody yeah. should get on there and shout. Now, here it is that Mr. Magic used to always shout out names, but, you know, you just take it for granted he shout out names, but here it is that Prince Messiah, he raised the bar for um, coming out with shout it out, yeah. shout it, and, it like know, a and title. just caught on. Yeah. It was catchy. So that was my but man. But shout it out is, a shout out now is like in the, the fucking language. Like it's a real term. Oh, yeah. Like it's just part of the English vernacular. From. It's American. It's just an American word. Yeah. Worldwide right. word. Uh-huh. Uh, what else did you come up with? 
Um, yeah. Well, how does that sound go, Juanito? The year? Yeah. What? Now, there's a version of Boogie Down Productions, uh, The Bridge is Over. Yeah. The Union Square version, you're on the record. Right. Woo. Turn that up a little, Juanita. What the fuck are you doing? Sound man, can you turn my mic up a little bit? And you red. I'm getting sick and tired of this. What you getting sick and tired of, my brother? Yo, let me come out with one jam explaining what time it is. And what time is it, my brother? I said, I said the bridge is over, the bridge is over. Now, bye bye bye. The bridge is now, over. obviously, you chose sides by, by being on that record. How, how long before the original version was out? that then he went back and recorded the Red Alert Union Square version. Well, here it is that, once again, when I was on for 11 to 2 yeah. on Saturdays, they used to always let me go ahead and um, record certain things. Like, you know, I have my son record a couple of things. Yeah, obviously. Uh, Red Alert goes berserk. Um, and the thing you just now talking about. The idea that come from between a good friend of mine, one of the members of the Soul Sonic Force, uh, MC Pow Wow and I, mm -hmm. we used to always joke about this cartoon. And the cartoon of the guy who was known as the Chicken Hawk. Yeah. L Lewis uh, Falkhorn, something like that. And Fog what it was, I, I'm saying it wrong, I know that. <laughs> but every time when you hear him talk to a proper, and he's just gonna say, yes, <laughs> yes. So here it is. We used to always joke around amongst each other because when we saw what was going on, we used to go to each other like, yes. What I did when I had the idea to start putting it, I lengthened it to yeah. go longer than just the yes. And I know it sounded crazy, but it caught on. Of and course. it's been my signature ever since. Yeah. <laughs> A lot of people want to know. A lot of people want to know if you still got it, Red. Nah, I can't do it no more. Oh, oh come on, man. Nah, for yeah. real. For real, I can't do it no more, man. Oh. You know, it's, the, the voice is not the same. That's why I always use the recording. I press yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, it's recorded. But one thing I learned, because for years I still use it up to this day on the radio. If I don't play it, I may have people in the street saying, how come you ain't put your signature in there? They are so accustomed to it that you have to put it in. Well, that gave it the stamp of approval if it was like, you something you was just playing or if you thought it was a, a hit record, you know what I'm saying? Well, even that I was doing it, I played it, it was like new presentation, a hit record, or in the middle of a mix. So right. let you know that it's you. In a right segue, yeah. Because that's another thing for what I learned and what I was doing so much even to this day. When you had Marley, you had Chuck, you had me and several others, you, you may identify the way how we play uh, skill and style. But when you put your signature in, it solidified that that is you. Yeah. And that's why I always put that in. Shit, red alert, yo. Whew. Now, now Wait, Cypher, Cypher. I've been drinking water all day. Huh? I've been drinking water all day, nonstop. Okay. I have to go to the bathroom. <laughs> you think you can handle it for the next? Yeah, I got it. Don't hit. fuck up the whole one Epstein. I got it, I got pod. it. If he does anything. <laughs> so, don't fall in. <laughs> wash your hands. Yeah, wash your hands. I ain't giving you no pound, man. 
Um, so red. So like so, did like I was saying like the original version of the bridge is over. Yes. Then the version that you got on it. How long in between was that? Like, well, I did that like in like around eighty four, eighty five, and I did the original, and then here it is. The bridge is over. Like eighty seven, I was already entwined with Boogie Down Projection. Rest in peace, my man Scott LaRock. Yeah. Him and I was good friends through playing basketball, and he became a DJ. Right. And he was always asking me different tips and ideas. So when he came to start going to the recording field, him along with Chaos One, they came under a different name. And the name of the record is called Success is the Word that was on Sleeping Bag Records. Yeah, I remember that, yep. And they came stepping to Mr. Magic, and there was some discrepancy between the both of them. Yeah. And it got so bad, and then here it is, the label dropped the group. So they was very pissed. So now they came across to Rock Candy Records that was in the Bronx. And they changed the name and format Boogie Down Production. And they went after one take, from what I learned, one take did a recording of South Bronx. One, yeah, one straight through, right? One straight yeah. take. That was on the eight track. And that's when the time that um, the Latin Quarters, Celebrity Tuesdays, my boys, the Awesome Two, big up to the Awesome Two, they had Celebrity Tuesdays in there, and my man DJ Raul was on the turntables. Scott and Chris came in. Puerto Rican? Huh? Was Raul Puerto Rican? Yes. Yeah, okay, uh -huh. okay. Yeah, yeah, we don't get enough fucking credit. There was a lot of us back then. Ah, uh, nah, nah, nah. There's so many of the Spanish um, um, uh, individuals in the beginning of hip hop that I can tell you right off the top. Yeah, we got cut. Out, we got yeah. cut out of history books somehow. No, no, there's so many I can tell you. After the after the whole, you know, the Africa culture movement in the in the '90s, everybody forgot about us. Well, you know, you gotta understand something. There's no disrespect. When the culture of hip hop first came in, it was dominantly more urban. Yeah, it was only a few Latin that fit in along with the urban, especially up in the Bronx, because, you know, it was like half and half between them. But when it came to the culture of hip-hop, not all the Latin came involved being a part of the hip-hop song. Mm. And then later on, you see, they start gaining more and more. So I respect Ruby D of the Fantastic Five. I respect yeah. Charlie Chase of the um, Cold Crush Brothers. I respect some of the original B-Boys that was coming to the Cool Herc parties. Of course. But now coming to Raul, I'm talking about, oh, you're back? Uh, sorry. Hey, what's up? I went into what's Puerto up? Rican talk. I'm sorry. Oh, but I don't know how we got here. Wow, in Spanish? <laughs> he so was yeah, trying to see if I eat gondolas all day. Huh? <laughs> no, so we in Latin quarters, Celebrity Latin Tuesday. Quarters, so when they hand the record to Raul. Raul put the record on. It was like sensational hit right off the top, South Bronx. Yeah. And he played it again. So when they finished, that was on the acid tape. You know the acid tape is a hard yeah. play. They handed Scott, Scott handed it to me, and that's when he said, this is for you to play on the radio. At that time, the record that was hot from over there with um, Magic in them was The Bridge, MC Shan. So when it came to the chorus, the two, the bridge, two, the bridge, I put in South Bronx, South, South Bronx. That was the chorus. Wait, start. the bridge was out? The bridge was out before South Bronx. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I thought out. South Bronx was the. No, no, no. I thought the bridge, the bridge was the came out in '85. South. South Bronx came out in '86. Okay. Classic Bronx bias. Look at you. What? Oh, of course you created it. Well, so I thought South Bronx came out. 
and the bridge was the response. Yep. That was 86, and the bridge was 85. Okay. And you know, at that time, and I, even though they was my rivals, yeah. I was still playing a lot of songs that Marley produced because course, yeah. one thing got nothing to do with the other. Right. Did you have to sit there and just be like, yo, the bridge is hard. Like, like it's yeah, a, yeah, it's an undeniable hard. song. Yeah, it was, it was mean. Mean, I had to play it. Honestly, Saif, Bronx bias aside, yeah. what's your preference? Between what? South Bronx and the bridge. Uh, totally unbiased, objective Marylander listening, all due respect. Yes. I always thought I always thought the bridge not the hardest. I think the bridge. Okay. I did. I just thought the drums were so fucking. I don't yeah, know. It was think, nuts. It was. I think the bridge. Nuts. The intro. The, the, this whole intro is That's when crazy. it first comes in. The ladies and gentlemen. Uh, it was me. I think I think the bridge is hotter than South Bronx. But I think the bridge is over is hotter than the bridge. Got it, got it, got it. You, that's the one. That's the one of the yeah, whole. Bridge is over. But now, the one. now, what made it more interesting for South Bronx because that's when they used a sample of a James Brown. Right. That was added on, and here it is. You got a new MC that was acknowledged being new at that time, KS1, and his his style and delivery, you know, like. It changed the game. I always say around 86 between Rock Kim and KS1, they were the game changers of 86. Yeah. When it came to the rap, to the rap world. So now after I played that, so now here to start that. So Sham went ahead and did a record called Kill That Noise. When he did Kill That Noise, that's when I remember that Scott LaRock called me. He said, yo, we in Power Play Studio. Now, mind you, Power Play Studio is like blocks away from Queensbridge. Mm -hmm. And that's when I heard the bridge is over. And they say, we want you to do this part right now, what you do on the radio. And I did that part off of one take. Of course. Play the, play the middle part I told you. If you have it marked, let's see if you have a cue for it. He doesn't have it. That's the beginning. I said, play the middle part, you fuckface. That was one take. <laughs> yeah, of course. Huh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sife, there's more to it than that. Now, oh. like, wait, let me play one more record. Okay. This is, this is, let me tell you how Red Alert was a pioneer in the game. You know how Khaled pimps his son everywhere nowadays? <laughs> like Khaled got, Khaled got his son and- Shout out to Assad, yes. Yeah. What's his name? Assad. Yeah, Assad Khaled. Well, Red Alert was one of the originators of Pippin' His Son in the early days of hip-hop. Jungle Brothers, Jungle Brothers coming through. Play this record. That's your son, man. Yeah, that's Rob. That's Rob. Hey, play from the beginning. This will have the ladies and gentlemen part. How much I did not even teach him that. What? No, honestly, I did not How teach him that. How old was his son when he did that? Rob must have been about maybe. Now, that was recorded back in, like, 88? Yeah. Rob is now 37. So we're talking 30 years ago. He's seven yeah. years old. It's wow. crazy. I remember when I first started working at Hot 97 and I met your son, and it was an honor to meet him. And then every time after that, 
when I saw him, he would get very annoyed because I would go, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, and all, as all of our listeners know, you're sort of like a weird savant who just repeats things over no, he and getting, over and again. No, he was getting teased with that for years and years and years. Because not only that, but even from the promos that I was playing before that record came. Yeah. My daddy get busy. Right. You know, welcome to the Red Alert show. Before we, this we good. This how we go. You know, he was saying all different things. What gave me the idea to put my son on the radio? Because I remember as a youth, when you used to look on TV, and you saw kids on your know, show called Romper Room, um, Sesame Street, Captain Kangaroo. Yeah. No, and not only that, but uh, respect to my man Ken Spiderweb, who's a radio legend, he used to put his kids on the radio. Mm. So that inspired me to put my son on the radio, and he became well, a celebrity behind that. His voice is legendary, yo. Wait, is he on the premiere one? In the beginning of the premiere one? I just want to hit real By the quick. way, I need one dedicated one up listener to go. Ladies and gentlemen, Hold on. the sounds you're about to hear is from Cool DJ Red Alert on 98.7 Kiss FM. Hey, Daddy, start it off like this. Now, did Premiere. He didn't record that. Huh? He didn't record that for he Premiere. Did not Premiere. Record. He must have got it off the tape. Premiere the, sampled okay. it, he sampled and it and used it in the promo for That's you. That's what he did. All right, now, when, when, when we finish our interview with Red Alert, someone remind me to tell the crazy leg story. That was the story I wanted to tell, okay? Someone got that? Someone remember that? Tell Ric it. Flair shirt, crazy legs. Remind me about crazy legs. I have a story that I want to tell. Remember I said I had a story tell I want to tell? Well, I don't want to bore Red Alert oh, with my crazy say. leg story. But um, I, I was speaking, it, 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 this is what reminded me of it. Red, do you ever think about the fact that you look around now and you know Diddy has Ciroc, you know? And uh, Hove has Doucet. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure at the time, it, it didn't seem realistic that, you know, a hip-hop <laughs> DJ could create a beverage that everyone wanted to drink. But in retrospect, yeah. from a marketing standpoint, right. I just think you could have come up with something better than poo-poo juice. What may I, I get I just... you this evening, Uncle Red? Yes, young lady. My friend and I, we like to have some poo-poo juice. <laughs> sure. Coming right up. What was it? What was, what was poo-poo juice? If I tell you, I had to kill you. <laughs> no, what it is, is Maya's rum. It's a nice, smooth, mild rum. First, it was with um, cranberry juice. But then one of the members of the violators, the original violators, said, yo, oh. try it with pineapple. And that's when I switched to the pineapple. And it was my man, Big Rod, another one of the violators. Uh -huh. He used to always go around and say, and the poo-poo, poo-poo-poo. So we just gave it the nickname Poo Poo Juice. Things were so simple back then. <laughs> it was so simple. You didn't we have just, to we, overthink we just anything. Name. I gotta tell you, if you add one more poo, I think I'd be more interested in drinking it. <laughs> the problem is poo poo. Poo poo poo? It's like uh, it doesn't. Poo poo. Yeah, I know in the beginning when people say, what you like? Poo poo juice? Ew, that sounds nasty. <laughs> oh, yeah. I say, yeah, but y'all be eating poo poo platter. That's so right. So what you trying to say? You know, poo-poo can stand for so many different things. How many people do you really know eating poo-poo platters, though? That's the question I have. Red, uh... Some of them might be in here. Who knows? <laughs> Red, one of the... I was looking earlier. One of the things that's interesting that pops up, I love, like, seeing what Wikipedia, like, what things people choose to focus on. And one of the things that comes up for you on, on your Wikipedia is that you are featured in more music videos than anyone else yeah. in history. Would you, say th would you say that's Wikipedia nonsense? You think that's accurate? That is true. I took advantage of that. I'm going to tell you how I took advantage of it because 
you know, a long time ago, before videos was in existence, existence, excuse me, here it is, you had a lot of people that was being imposters, that was taking other people's title and names, and who they are, because they may look like that person, and may entertain like that person, and before you know, you really believe that's that person. There's people that still to this day was going around. There's a guy down in Miami right now. He going around telling people he's Spoonie G, and you know he's like living off of that. <laughs> so, but I saw that mainly in Kentucky because some guy said he's met me. I'm like, what? So when somebody came to me about doing a video, I forgot the very first video. I, well, officially the first video I was in without being known was Planet Rock. That was what? the first one. Planet, Planet Rock. Rock. Oh, Planet Rock, yeah. Yeah, I did not know they had took clips from when we was in Bronx River Center. But there was another video before, after that, and they asked me to be a part of it. And so when I saw the exposure, I started jumping over videos. I feel at that time, I was just promoting and marketing myself. Oh, that's where Funkmaster Flex learned that trick from. <laughs> Flex tried to be in every video, yo. And I had to learn to capitalize off it. No, that's it. Good Don't job. forget, but you were in the Cuckoo Cow My Projects video. Well, you? that was my song. I know. I just want, you just know I like to bring it up whenever I can. Um, <laughs> Red, what, do you have any favorite videos, though, that like you were like, you're, you're proud that you're in? Like, yo, I was in that video. I mean, you have obviously a lot of historic moments, but are there any features that you're like, I don't know, self-destruction? or? Uh, that is exactly what I have given you say, self-destruction, because next year it will mark 30 years of self-destruction. Mm. And by being part of a historical video and song, per se, you know, where it was a gathering of all of us together, you to come to a common goal, what the message was. That was got to be my favorite one at all. That's a good one. When they came out in the West Coast, we're on the same gang. Did you say, these dumbass West Coast I wasn't thinking about that because it sounded good and I played it. Oh, okay. See? <laughs> I love we're on the same gang. I think underrated. What about, and you're not only in self-destruction, you're also in heel. No, I wasn't in heel. You're not, yes, you are. No, Kid Capri is Kid in Cap heel. Oh, my God, the disrespect. What? It's okay. It's okay. What? It's okay. It's okay. Wow. You must have left something in the bathroom. You're a piece of shit. <laughs> You're a piece of shit, Rosenberg. Well, what about, uh, do, tell us a little bit, too. We've we got to spend some time on this. I know we won't have time for all of it. Yeah, we got to But obviously start. you're directly connected to Jungle Brothers and, and Native Tongues. How personally invested did you feel in, in the JBs and in the Native Tongues in, in general? My nephew is Mike G. That's my sister's son. Yeah. Um, he well, they doing way show. out in Queens, huh? How they get way out in Queens? Relax. Okay, sorry, we're not there yet. We're not there Calm yet. Down. Here it is. He used to always approach me saying, "Yo, me and my boys want to make a song. Want to make a song." I think they wasn't ready. So here it is. My man Tony Dick that had a record called Bad Boys by Inspector Gadget. Well, he just built a studio way out there in Coney Island section. He said, yo, yo, Red, man, I got this studio at home, so you want to make some songs? Go ahead. So that's when I came after Mike and I said, you ready? At that time, Mike was going to marry Bertram, but he was staying with his father in Left Rack. Oh. He originally from Harlem, oh. but he stayed with his father in Left Rack. Broken home, and got it. Africa was also going to Bertram. He was staying in Brooklyn. And my cousin, sweet daddy Sammy B, is right up in Harlem. So that's when they formulate and they went ahead and... Wait, Sammy's your cousin? Yeah. And Mike was He's your my nephew. nephew? Yeah. And they were the same age? Yes. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. That's yeah. some real hood shit. Yeah. Now, 
Did you? No, I have a six-year-old uncle. You know what I'm talking about. So, <laughs> did you? Did you tell? What did you tell Mike at the beginning? Like when? Like you, you don't want to get his hopes up, I'm guessing, but you want to do. You're like you're gonna do everything you can. No, I mean I was all being open-minded to him. I said, Yo, you got a chance now. Go ahead and do what you are doing. Prove what you have. So. They came with the concept of a saying that was going on for years and years within my family by my older brother. And my older brother, he was, he, I got two things I picked up, three things I picked up from my brother. He didn't want to encourage me to play basketball because he was one of the first members under Mr. Homebill Rucker that formed the Rucker Tournament. The second thing is his record collection. I still got him. Yeah. yeah. Record collection. Third thing, he was known for the acronyms, the abbreviations, where I was always known for doing that. I got that from him. But when it came to certain things, he was saying, yeah, I got this girl on my Jimblowski. I'm going to get the chip zip right now. I'm going to get her get that Jimblowski. So my nephew used to hear that. So they, him, and Africa went ahead and wrote a song called Jimblowski. Mm. And I know that it was different. And uh, it stand out. And... The rest is history. Did you, uh, did you ever feel, I don't know about you, I could, I, could, I could ask you the same question. I don't know about you guys. I feel personally a real sense of failure when I get behind an artist's song and nothing happens. And I'm like, yeah. damn, I ain't shit. I'm playing this nonstop and nothing is happening. Did you, A, did you, did you take it as a, a, any sense of failure? And were there any records that you really went for and it just never happened and you didn't understand why? Well, I just said earlier, there was records that I believed in that did not happen. So, you know, you just move on. You know, I mean, you can't put your all into it because one thing I learned, you got to evolve to the next agenda, to the next thing, even though it may be something personal for you because there's a, there's a group that came under me that I got them signed to Next Plateau, Black Rock and Rhyme. That's how I'm living. That didn't take off, but that was a favor to me, you know. And there was other different artists that, you know, I was helping out, you know. I mean, I felt good when Ultramagnetic took off, Yeah. you know. I felt good when Jungle Brothers took off and other people in affiliation. I felt good when I got ties with Mark the 45 King and he introduced all the different artists that was under there. A lot of people that forget about the flavor unit like Chill Rob G, yeah. La Kim Shabazz, La T, Rest in Peace Apache. And who come That's out the biggest? That's for you, Jersey. That's for you, Jersey. You and, know what and, it is. And who come out the biggest out of all that? Kareem Latifah. Yep. So you know, like you get behind people who you believe in and what their product is. And another person that even though they didn't take him serious, but I used to play a lot of his promos, the guy named Marky Fresh. I used to play a lot of his stuff too that was under. So you know, it's like you gotta move on. Okay. You tried. Try. You gave it your all. Yeah, no, it's just I always I always find that to be a an, an interesting situation. You were around uh -oh. Red, you've been around since the very beginning, obviously, and you've watched people emerge. And I'm just curious about this, because as far as I know, I've never heard you talk about it. I know the way I thought of Jay-Z, the rapper. Like, I wasn't, I wasn't as much a Hawaiian Sophie guy as I was an original flavor guy. And then, like, in my lifetime came out the single, and I was like, oh, I love it. It was on Payday, and I was like, oh, I love this song. And Jay-Z's album come, came out, the first one, and I'm like, oh, I'm excited to hear this guy's album. At no point am I thinking, like, this man will be the greatest of all time. He will be, like, on the uh, Mount Rushmore of hip-hop. I was never thinking about that. How did you view the emergence of Jay-Z? Did you, did you expect that he would be a huge star? 
Honestly, no, not at all. Just like many others, you know, because you're so much in the mood. Every time you keep having new artists and new material coming to you, so once again, you believe it, you just play it, but you're not thinking too much about the level of where they're going. So I remember, honestly, when I heard Dead President, I didn't believe in it too tough. But I liked it the flip side, which was Ain't No Nigga. So that jumped on to that. And then I was willing to listen to more stuff. But I did know about the Hawaii Sophie, which I didn't care for, and the original flavor. I was more into the other artists besides Jay-Z on original flavor. But did I see Jay-Z was going to excel? No. You're so busy with you interacting, playing with a little bit of everybody. But they take it upon their time to structure their self to be where they're at. So I respect them to the fullest. What do you remember about a... Uh, when do you first remember running into Sean... Puff Daddy Combs. First time I ran to Combs, um, when he was moving back and forth, going to school down there at Harvard University, and he was an intern coming up for Uptown Records. But at the same token of time, he was always hanging around in Harlem. Cause you know, his father, his parents from Harlem, but he was, they moved up to Mount Vernon. So he was always in Harlem, hanging around, being around what was going on, such and such. But when he got that internship, I got to give it that Russell Simmons and Andre Harrell was putting him through the mill for to pay his dues. And look what it turned out to be. You're happy about that, him getting abused? He appreciates, <laughs> Johnny appreciates dues paying, all right? You, you, you know, he took pictures the whole time. Yeah, so I mean, Diddy was a go-getter. He was a hustler, you know? Not knowing that it was going to come to this level, much like everybody else I'm saying. But... When you see the body of work that this man put, that's why he got that simple slogan, can't stop, won't stop. Yeah. And, still, and, another, and, and, you know, even to this day, you may have some people like, look at this old ass. You can say all you want, but he's still in existence. Yeah. Couple well, quick... You know, sorry, go ahead, sorry. Just, no, I'm just saying, just another legend in the game that definitely came through the Red Alert camp was the legendary, rest in peace, Chris Lighty. Of course. You know what I'm saying? Violator crew. Did you always see, Chris Lighty was a hustler too, obviously, when he was in those days, right? Chris was a cocky, stubborn, hard-headed. <laughs> but what I saw in Chris, first thing, a lot of people get the misconception. When they hear the name violated, they always think of one person, Chris Lighty. He come from a group of five guys. Yeah. It was Chris Lighty, Chris Ali, Big Rod, Sneaky D, and hands that we call Black Jesus. The reason we call him Black Jesus because at that time the Jerry Curls is out and he's so dark skinned and he had a Jerry Curls look like Jesus. <laughs> so we call him BJ, Black Jesus. But, you know, they was known for their reputation kicking some ass in yeah. clubs. They didn't start it, but they damn sure finished it. Right. But out of that whole clan, there's somebody I saw that had a, and that was Chris. People didn't know at that time when he was going to school, he was also an electrician for Metro North. He was an electrician while in high school. So now I see he got that, but he's still cocky, arrogant, and everything. So now when it comes to the Jungle Bros being on the road, I need somebody as a road manager. Chris, can you represent them being on the road? He got a taste of that. He also got to be very close with Scott LaRock. And, you know, he started learning a little bit of everything where he started to develop himself, and he formed this company called Baby Sounds. Under Baby Sounds, was, it was, Baby Sounds was an umbrella. Under the umbrella, you had different companies under that, and one of them was 
violators management and violators um, records. Records. And along with other different companies. So did I see that that was gonna happen? No, but I'm proud to say it saw it happen because yep. I hope I, I, I feel appreciated to say I helped him have a vision to see where he wanted to go. Yeah, probably and for I so respect many, that to the fullest. So many people you probably did that for, Red, man. Thank you so Can much. Can you imagine? You know, in football, people talk about a coach's coaching tree and, like, how many people were under them. And, like, it's, it's, you can't even really fathom how many different people Red Alert yeah. is father, Impossible. godfather, uncle to uh, in hip-hop. Red, one thing I think that makes being a hip-hop DJ very interesting and different than being a DJ in any other form of American music is that if you're someone who plays records, not a personality, but you're someone who plays records, and I had to learn all my lessons in this from Saif, Ugh. there is the possibility, if you don't handle yourself right, of getting bitched up and getting pressed. That is a, that is a <laughs> being pressed is a thing that can happen. And who you decide to associate with and whose records you decide to play and if you get in bed with the wrong person can be a big mistake. Did you have any, like, rules of thumb in terms of just deciding how you would read a situation an artist decide of whether this is someone who's worth fucking with or whether these are just a bunch of drug dealers who have an artist and you're like, I really shouldn't even fuck with these cats? No, there was a lot of thugs that I knew that had material and they stepped to me and... I say, okay, let me check it out. And I was always straight up honest with them, just like everybody else. Did they press me? Some of them did. It didn't go nowhere. I'm still here. <laughs> still here. Facts. I'm still here. And I'm not saying it in bragging. I'm saying it in confidence because yes. I stuck to the guns of who I am and what I'm about. And I want them to respect me for what I do. So even though I know you want to go ahead and utilize me and see how far you can take me, nah, because... If I allow you in the beginning, you feel you can take it as far as you can, and everybody else that's looking feel they can do the same thing like that world person is doing. So I had to stand my ground from day one, and that's why I'm proud of what I'm doing. Well, and it's interesting, too, because it's not just like, yes, I believe morally. I, I, I believe that taking money for records is incredibly immoral. But beyond that, people don't realize that the second you decide to play that game and you don't make it about your ear... You're actually doing a disservice for yourself. Now you're in the ball game of all the bullshit. But if from the beginning you're saying, no, I'll listen to it. If I like it, I'll play it. If I don't, I won't. And that's what I that did. That protects you. That's what I did. Because one thing I learned about, even before I got involved with it, I was hearing stories about the payola game from all different people. And I say, why should I let people pimp me when I pimp myself? I mean, well, you know, these guys are going to get paid. I say, I understand, I'm gonna get paid too. I may not get paid like they get paid, but I'm gonna get paid the same. So if somebody come to me and say, well, yo, man, here it is, that we want you to play the record, man, will you take it? I say, no, no. But then they take off successful. They say, well, yo, man, I say, what you wanna do? Hire me for your album release party. Hire me for this agenda, hire me for that agenda. That money go longer than that one time they put in your pocket. Well said. Well said, Red Alert. The, the, the gems continue to drop. Yeah, we got to go soon, but was there any, I don't know how to phrase this, Would, are you willing to tell us if you were knocking down any of them R&B stars back oh, in the day? Oh, it's a great question. You know huh? what I'm saying? Like, I'm still, we're talking a lot about hip-hop, but there was also some dope-ass 
R&B records at the time. That's a good point. And I'm wondering if you was knocking down any of the R&B stars from the late 80s, early 90s. One thing to this day. Yeah. I don't lay where I get paid. Really? Oh, I don't care how bad they are. Some way, mix, somehow, you, you come it. across path because this is what I learned from experience of seeing others where they've gotten involved with somebody and it will break up and got nasty and that somebody turned around to become their boss. Right. I know. And now they're paying them back. Yeah. So now here it is. If I call myself sleeping with one of the um, artists, yeah. Not knowing where that artist is going to come and become so dominant and we have a fallout. out. Right. How's she going to treat me? So you never smashed a girl from soul to soul or nothing like that? Nah. Great question. I smashed nobody okay. in the just industry. I was just wondering, Uncle Red. It's not a wonder, it's a fact. <laughs> Brownstone? <laughs> Don't get it fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen, Red, uh, we, could, we could interview you probably for another five hours and I hope one day we can, but... Thank you so much for making time. And yeah. more importantly, again, I want to, I've said it on the radio, but I haven't gotten to say it to your face. If it wasn't for my brother being the hip, just like you said. And by the way, when you mentioned your brother, and that, your brother is the only thing, only person you're allowed to bite shit from without asking permission, by the way. That's the one thing. And I bit my whole hip hop interest from my brother. And if it wasn't for my brother coming up to New York and taping you on 98.7 Kiss, literally, my I don't know about you, Sight, but my entire life is different. I don't do any of this stuff yeah. if you no, don't I'll do what you. you did. So thank you so much thank for you, everything you did for this call. May I say thank everybody that's been supporting me throughout the years on radio. I appreciate y'all. Thank you. Red, I'm going to tell you why I know that I wanted to be something involved with what you do in the radio from the power that you had. I was... Uh, at, this is going to sound crazy. I was at my sister's father's girlfriend's house in the Lower East Side, in the projects in the Lower East Side. You smash? I did not smash. Wow. She had a, she had a daughter that I wanted to smash, though. But, wow. All right, this, that, my sister's father's girlfriend's house. And, and I didn't fuck her. But they lived on the first floor of the projects in the L.E.S. Smith houses. And it was a Friday night, and you, the first time you ever played deep cover, and you was playing the instrumental for mad long, and I seen like six dudes in the park with a boom box, and they was just staring at the radio, just like. And I was like, how the fuck is he controlling these people? The instrumental just rocking. And that's when I knew that I wanted to be a fucking DJ like DJ Red Alert. So thank you so much for doing this. Respect. Thank Respect. you, Red Alert. Yo, New York City, make some proper noise. What? For cool what? DJ Red Alert. Warn up, ladies and gentlemen. Thank y'all so much. Yeah. Brad, thank you so much. Yo, Juan Eppers, thank you so much. One more time much. for Give Red Alert, New York. I know, and the people listening, I feel bad for the people listening to the podcast. Why? Because they're going to be like, oh, what was that, 45 minutes? This is bullshit. 
You know? Crazy legs. Okay. Sive, sit down for a second. We gotta... I want to stand up. All right, you can stand. I feel uh, well, good. Well, no, I feel weird. Can you sit? Sorry? Can you sit? I, I'm uncomfortable with it. All right, I'll sit. All right, thanks. So I'm supposed to do a meet and greet with these we're gonna No, after, after we finish, we're going to hang out and take pictures and say hello to whoever wants to say hello. Um, but don't feel guilty about just leaving, by the way. It's a weeknight, for God's sake. I understand. Um, <laughs> but, so, okay. This is, wait, who, who here is truly a Juan Ep head? Like, every episode, for real. Okay. All right. Favorite episode? Sci High. I wasn't even on that one. I don't Fuck think it was an episode. Oh, that was an episode. What's up with your man, no, yo? Go, by the way, go to, go to White Guy with the Beard. I have faith. What's your favorite episode? Oh, there Large we bro. go. Beauty. Large beauty. Thank you. The Rosenberg episode was great. Oh, she's a crazy one. All right, okay. So for the real heads, for the real heads, you will know, appreciate this joke. So Scythe, Crazy Legs is doing incredible work for Puerto Rico, as you know. Yes, yes. You know? And when a lot of people think about Puerto Rico, there's two names they think about. Lin Manuel Miranda, as Laura Styles calls that? Lin Manuel Miranda. That's <laughs> how Laura says it. Uh-huh. And Cypher Sounds. <laughs> the two, two great Puerto Ricans. <laughs> and Felix Trinidad, of course. Um, so Crazy Legs have been doing this amazing work to bring uh, water filtering systems to Puerto Rico with Red Bull. You should go support him. Uh, and the work he's doing is amazing. So he comes in the other day to talk about that. We spend like 20 minutes talking about that. And at the end, I'm like, yo, I got to ask you an important question, yeah. Crazy Legs. Super important. Why were they always trying to stop the poppers from popping oh. and the breakers what? from breaking? You asked them? Then you got to let the poppers pop and the, the breakers, breakers break. Okay. The, the answer is unfathomable. Really? He knew the answer. Oh, he, the answer was... He's such a genius and such an important, like, we had Grandmaster Flash, like, Crazy Legs is the same thing as Grandmaster Flash, right? right? Like, in, in breaking, yeah. He's, he's, he's Mount Rushmore of the culture. Yeah. And, he's, and he says, sometimes when you were doing a party, yeah. it would just be like, yo, enough fucking dancing right now. <laughs> and sometimes he would be, like, promoting the party, and he would be like, no, at th- from this time to this time, no, no b-boying. And I went, wait a second, oh, wait, 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 are you telling me, Crazy Legs, that you yourself was, were preventing the poppers from, from popping and the breakers from breaking? Wow. He himself was like, no, we're not making any money at the bar when everyone's b-boying. Enough right. with the fucking popping and breaking. Wow, that's crazy. This real, I had to tell you, I was shocked to the core. So when, who said, when they said that, let the poppers pop and the breakers break, they were talking to the ultimate popper and breaker? I don't know if they were talking directly to him. It might have been to the club owners who literally had rules in place, which I got to be honest, I didn't understand that. No, I get they, it. I, I get it. They were literally like, seriously, no, no, no popping and no breaking. And they were like, let the poppers pop and the breakers break. And they're like, no, seriously, we know it's in the song. You're not doing it here. But it's, I get it because when, the, when they start breaking... They're, first of all, they're taking up the whole dance floor because they have to do them big windmill spins. <laughs> yes. So everybody has to spread out. Also, everybody starts to watch that. Right. Not partying, not drinking. So you, you don't see it much anymore. You'd have to go to like a, like a Filipino party in the Bay Area. You know what I'm saying? And, and you'll see that that'll happen. You know what I'm saying? Sure. Yeah, I, I guess you're right. 
Um, I, for me, that I've, I've mentioned this on one app before, I think. For me, it was at Maryland DJing, and the black frats would come out onto the dance floor. Uh, step in. And I'm like, oh! Because, yeah. like, the whole dance floor is a wrap. Every shot, girl, yeah. every girl is gone. Move out the way, yeah. And now, so it's the same thing. So I related to the sentiment. Syph, how do you think tonight went? I think tonight was phenomenal, and I thank every single person for coming tonight, man. I, I really don't know why you're here, and it's amazing that you are. So thank you so much for fucking being here tonight. And I am saying publicly, I would like to bring back Juan Epstein. Oh. So. Let the Potter's Pod, let the Potter's Pod and the Casters cast. You know what I'm saying? Now. Hug, 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 hug. Hug, 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 hug. Please come back to the next. Where'd those people go? Did they fucking leave? Holy shit, the disrespect. We're just getting started. We're going to do another two hours. <laughs> Guys, thank you so much for coming. We'll Any hang final, out, take pictures. Final questions. And all that shit. Final questions. Anybody was scared to ask? Yes. Did what? Why you got to bring that up? What did he say? He said, do we ever get Terrio his week? Oh. <laughs> the single worst fight. Why would you bring this up? It's no, like I your didn't. parents are about to mend the divorce. And no, you're like, hey, I, mom, fine. mom, did you ever get over dad fucking his secretary? <laughs> no, we made up. We made up because of that. I sent him a wee, and then. You I, really did? Yeah. Have you checked up on him once since then? No, but I saw a recent... You saw him when he was like 15, 16? Yeah. He looks like a little thug, you yeah, know? Yeah, it wasn't good. Yeah, it, it wasn't was, good. He was a hood rat friend, you know what I mean? Yes. The one up intro. Oh, my God! This whole, this whole thing is a farce. Wow! How do we not... We'll do that at the end. We're leaving now, but one more. Any, I saw somebody with their hand up. Any more? Yeah, you, sir. Oh, where'd you get that shirt? Which, by the way, do you realize the irony of the shirt, which I didn't realize? Well, we just emulated the Hulk Hogan Macho Man handshake. This is about Hulk Hogan and Ultimate Warriors breakup. Um, I got this from some nerdy dealer online, I'm sure. This he has wrestling podcasts for that. Cut yeah, that thank you very much. Good point. She Pete. Yes, Montreal, one more. Oh, uh, uh, well, I have a TV show now. Uh, on True TV. If you support it, I really appreciate it. It comes on Wednesday nights at 11. So I'm way more famous now. And they want me to do comedy on the road on the weekends. So I had to move my improv show to Tuesday nights, 10.30, uh, 10 o'clock for Spanish and black people. If you want to come see uh, live improv comedy. Thanks, bro. Yo, uh, and he Sweater man, sweater man right here, yes. Sorry? Harder to get? M, M required a trip to Detroit. Oh, for the for the podcast? Oh, yeah. who's harder to get? We will get Chappelle one day. It's who just going to be really random. No, it it'll be a day when he's just when Sipes with him, and it'll have to be a pop up in one moment. Yeah, I believe in my heart. He said he would do happen. it. He said he would do it. Um, he said he would do it. But I think uh, M, &M, I think was, harder. M was harder because we had to travel. We went to Detroit for one day. And, and came back. And I'll never forget that, too, because 
Jay-Z, I, I, you might have heard, I might have said this, so I apologize if I said this before, but one thing, I think Eminem and Jay-Z are two of the top five greatest of all time. And, however, Jay, when he shows up to Hot 97, you know when his car is downstairs. Yeah. Like, you're like, the building's shaking because right. Jay-Z's there. Yeah, and and by the way, this is, and he hasn't been there in six years since we last, I think it was since we last had him. Yeah. So, Eminem, on the other hand, we were in his studio, and me, him, and Royce were talking, and Em was just standing there, and I turned around. I was like, oh, it's Eminem. It's Eminem. He's right, he's yeah, standing he's right, right behind me. That, it, it was like, see, in a weird way, I always think Eminem is sort of, I'm not saying like talent or anything like that, but he reminds me of, of Michael Jackson in terms of like the rareness of seeing him right, around. Right, right. Um, so that was, that made that especially cool. Oh, sorry, we got to thank Highline Ballroom for having us out, by oh, the way. It's very cool. And thank uh, Peter Oasis for putting this together. DJ Juanito, Hip Hop Mike, Billy June, Jamal Landlord. Yeah. Are, are is, is that my brother? Is that my brother Calligraphist right there? Yeah, of course. Calligraphist on the shot. Um, everyone else who came through, Billy June, Laura Styles, everyone here. And Saif, also, there are some people here that are slightly stupider than everyone else. Yeah. And they actually were nice enough to pay for the meet and greet tickets. Yeah. So we're gonna hang out with them first upstairs. Are you in the front? Are the Wait, no. Ones I think. We, what do you think we do it here? I think we do it upstairs. We do whatever. I don't give a fuck. What do you think? I'm just saying the ones in the front are. The, I think the ones that paid. Oh, they are. Are you guys all? Are you guys all paid for the good shit? Oh, what's the wristband? Is that the wristband? Special okay. wristband. All right, so we'll do it here he, instead. Why does he have one? He doesn't even care about why us. Why did you? Yo, you bought him the good ticket? Oh, we're not meeting him. We are not meeting <laughs> yeah, yeah. him. Hey, Giovanni. Yo, I'm gonna I'm gonna call Joe Budden on his cell phone. You can talk to him. <laughs> you can wish him congratulations. Um, guys, thank you all so much for coming out. We, we appreciate go. it. Here we go. Oh yeah, one behind. Oh yeah, yeah. Let's go crazy. Oh, let's go crazy. <laughs> okay. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening. And good night. Hey, bye. One jam explaining what time it is. And what time is it, my brother? I say, I say, the bridge is over, the bridge is over. But bye bye, the bridge is over, the bridge is over. Hey, hey, the bridge is over, the bridge is over. But bye bye, the bridge is over.